Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. He's covered the big events and talked to the biggest names in sports for more than three decades. Breeze end zone. He hit it. 500 career touchdown passes. From Super Bowls to the World Series, he's been there, he'll be there, and he's here now for CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Nice to talk to actor and uh, crazy Yankee fan Nick Totoro uh, here on CMI, the Chris Myers interview on, on Podcast One. And uh, Nick, it's nice to catch up with you. You doing okay? Yeah, I'm hanging in there. I uh, it's been a really you know bizarre time. It just uh, twilight zone. I, I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. Uh, the whole world is kind of you know on uh, yeah. on the sports and, and sports too. It's just not the same. I've been trying to get into it, trying my hardest, and and you know everybody knows how much I love baseball, how much I love the Yankees, and uh, the feeling isn't there for me. Yeah, uh, not like not like before. I mean, I still love the game. I'm still watching, and right. Cool. Uh, but it just does. Uh, you know, as much as we need the athletes, right? Uh, this proves without the fans, you know, they need us too. So yeah. Oh, so that's real. So is it more okay? Is it more about what's going on in the world, the bigger picture, or is it in terms of the effect of sports because it's so different and shaken up? And day to day, that that it's hard for you to be as loyal and devoted and fanatical as I know you usually are with the baseball and the Yankees. Yeah, no, I, I I mean I don't. I'm not saying that I'm not you know paying attention. I am, right. but do I do I care the same? Uh, they've kind of taken that away from me somewhat. Yeah. You know, they've taken that away, and I think they've taken it away from the players. I wish there was a way. I mean, there probably is a way that they could figure out. It doesn't have to be packed stadiums, but to have some, you know, um, crowd out there, I think would make a big, big difference because the only thing worth watching now is like the UFC and golf. Uh, <laughs> because the golf, you know, it, you could play golf with your buddies and it's still kind of fun. And and uh, the UFC, they do a nice job, I have to say. Well, you know, however they shoot it and present it, they do a better job than the boxing. And uh, basketball with this bubble, who cares? I watch these baseball games in these empty stadiums and with these car cut out, you know, try to sell me on that crap. And I'm like, that doesn't excite me either, you know? And um, it's just kind of, you know, dead. There's no spirit. And I'm like, but but come on, you're, you're, you're an actor. You, I mean, is it, uh, isn't it better than nothing? I mean, I mean, the ratings for baseball have been, and even among younger viewers and obviously you can't go to a game, you, you watch a game or you listen on the radio uh, and I think I think we've tried with audio, and I agree with you. Nothing beats the fans, but I, I, I don't. So would you would you rather have not and just say, hey, let's take this year off and get through everything, and then let's go fresh next year? Yes, I would. Oh, oh, really? You would have been okay. All right. Yes, because for me, for me, I I got to be all the way in, a hundred percent. You know what I mean? And 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 I am. But when I watch it and I see the product, I know that I'm like it's so diluted right now that I'm like, what a championship mean the same this year? No, it won't. I don't care what anyone tells me. Well, I'll take the ring. I'll take the ring. You take it. But I'm telling you, it's not going to be the same ring. It's not going to be the same feeling without the fans there. You know, that, that's the whole part of the whole experience. It's like going to see a Broadway show with no audience. You yeah. know, the actor needs people to laugh, to respond, that you feed off of that. And I bet you the players in their heart of hearts probably yes. like, it feels like we have, we're doing a, it feels like a job now. Now it feels yeah. like work 
because they don't have us, you know, to get us going, to boo us, to cheer us. That's that's part of the whole experience. I mean, I talked to an old Yankee about that once, and he was saying, you know, the Yankees used to have big crowds, and then when they bought, bottomed out in the 60s, this was Joe Pepitone. He was like, then it, right. you know, 800 people in, and it was like ridiculous, you know? Um, so I would say, for me, from what I've seen, if you can't do it the right way, let's just wait till this mess is over and let's start fresh. But that's right. my feel. Not a lot of people agree with me. Maybe some do. Um, but it is what it is. It is what yeah, it Christian, is. Yeah, Christian Yelich, I mean, he was. He told me about, yeah, the crowd with that. It's like, you know, going back to high school, you know, when you played and there wasn't and, – and it is. No, it's different on the players. But, but I give him credit for – for at least attempting it, but even musicians and actors without crowds, you see people, and I know it's different, but the Zoom thing too. I'd much rather be sitting in a studio talking to you face to face across from each yeah. other and exactly. you know, than, than doing this. But we yeah, don't. This whole this Zoom, point, Zoom thing, you know, let's, let's Zoom. Zoom. Zoom who? Zoom you. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, I'm so over this Zoom. You know, it's like, you know, I want to have a conversation, Chris. I mean, I want to sit in a room with you. All right, I don't have to be right next to you, but I want to see your face. Right. right. I, can't, I can't see your eyeballs. There's a problem. I got to see your eyes. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's, a, it's a different deal. So it sounds like you're uh, – uh, what about your work? Uh, do you have uh, – is there anything? You never really got a hole? I mean, I, you know, well, I, I know there – It's very, very slow right now for a lot of people. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to sell this pilot right now, and uh, I was gearing up something I was developing for the last year or two. Actually, I got a, a documentary I'm trying to get off the ground, too, with the, an old Yankee who's talking about Joe Pepitone. It's him. It's this book called You Could Have Made Us Proud Joe. And uh, so a, a bunch of things are very, very slow right now. People are not in the office. People are distracted. I'm distracted. Uh, I know my brother's going to finish a Batman movie, but he said he's got to go through so much. But they have a lot of money. So he's going to go to London and quarantine and this and that. So, I mean, there are productions gearing up again. I mean, TV shows are going back. But, you know, the whole thing is so different right now. I mean, it, it, it will return to some normalcy, I think, at some point. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, your words like quarantine and protocol that, that are, like, commonplace now. You, you mentioned your brother. Of course, we're, we're talking with Nick Turturro, and you, you know him from uh, NYPD Blue, uh, Sergeant James Martinez, uh, Blue Bloods. You've seen him in The Longest Yard, uh, Do the Right Thing, at Jungle Fever. In fact, your brother was in, he was in Do the Right Thing, right, with you? or was Yeah, he was actually yeah. in Do the Right Thing, and I had done, like, some voiceover work for Spike, Spike Lee, and that's how I met Spike. And then Spike put me in my, in my basically my first film, Mo Better Blues. But it was just from this uh, voiceover work that Spike had me do. I was like an extra one night, and then I was supposed to go back, and I didn't go back uh, for whatever reason. I had to go. I was a doorman at the time on Central Park South, and uh, then Spike called me up out of the blue one morning, got my number, uh, unbeknownst to me, from my brother. It was like 8 o'clock in the morning. He was like, can I speak to Nick? And I said, who's this? And he goes, it's Spike. <laughs> Like, like I knew him. And I was like, Spike. Spike who? <laughs> I don't know any spikes, you know? And the guy goes, Spike Lee. And I was like, I was like, whoa. Was like, What's up? You know, what are you calling me? Eight o'clock. And sometimes you get a phone call in your life that's like a life-changing phone call. It's right, like a, right. It's a message. Like a guy, you know, he spotted you, Chris Myers. But that's the guy that recognized, hey, Chris, you know, I knew you were going to be a great, you know, whatever. You have, you have a potential as a, you know, of, in, in broadcasting. So 
Spike had that kind of way where he kind of like, you know, uh, encouraged or picked people that were kind of raw and, and gave, me a, gave me a shot. And then, you know, I was off to the races. You know, it's just kind oh, of was that, was that the big break? Because I know you have acting throughout your, you know, your cousin and your dad. I mean, there's a lot of tutorial acting there. Yeah, I would say, you know, for me, it probably was because my, my path, we all had different paths. You know, my brother went to college came out of college, then he struggled, then he went to Yale, and then he came out of the Yale School of Drama, and then he became this off-Broadway, Broadway guy, and then segued into movies. Aida grew up like a, uh, uh, a bohemian uh, hippie, and now dad was an artist, and, you know, Aida, she had her own path. Me, I was a theater major, but I, I uh, quit college young, and then, you know, I, I kind of got stuck at a job. I had a kid at a young age, and I was a doorman. I kind of let all my dreams go for a lot of years. But I did have like a lot of potential. I just was not, I was all over the place. And then in my mid or later 20s, you know, even my brother said, you know, it's not too late for you. Your life isn't over. And as I seen him doing it and I said, you know, this looks like a lot of fun. You know, I wonder if you could make a living at it. I mean, I saw my brother doing it. So I thought, well, maybe it's a possibility, you know, and then, but not until Spike gave me that chance but I wasn't really that trained. I had done some musical right. theater as a kid. I sang and all this other stuff. I thought I was going to be like Sinatra, but I never followed through on that. And then, um, and then you know, when he put me in that movie, uh, I said, let me see if I can do this. And I, and I held my own. You know, I held my own with my brother. It was my first experience. And I remember I had to go back to the job, back to the doorman job. Wow. And, yeah, after a couple of weeks. And it was a great experience. And my brother goes, don't, don't forget what happened here. Don't forget what happened. I mean, you know, just don't go back to work and, and let this. And I was like, oh, no, no, no. I said, I, I, this kind of proved, showed me that, you know, maybe I can do this. Not that I got paid that much. You know, at the beginning, you didn't get much. And Spike was, uh, you know, Spike didn't pay that much either. But, you know, uh, it was the opportunity. And then, yeah. you know, and then he put me in another movie. And, um, and then I started really working at it. And I, I said, yeah, man, maybe... Maybe I do. Maybe I, this does have some legs, you know. And uh, you know, and then I got an agent, and I started hustling and pursuing it. And then I got some other work on my own. I was kind of working as an actor part time for like three years, couple of years. I had done a pilot one year, uh, and I was still a doorman. You know, people were like, "Hey, you're doing pretty good." Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, how did, did let me did a doorman? And I like, I always love uh, the regular guy. Did did what you observed there. Is that something you applied to your, your acting, depending upon the role or, or just interacting with people as a doorman? That's, a, that's, New York. that's a great question, Chris. But that's a good question because it did. Because, you know, in a lot of ways, you could go to school, right? Or you could learn in a class or you could, you know, learn private, whatever. But out there, I kind of like saw the world and I kind of grew up out there. And I dealt with all kinds of people, famous people, rich people and crazy people. And I had this hat on my head. I had a routine out there, Nick the doorman. And I kind of like was not just the doorman. I was a, <laughs> I was a, I was a jack of all trades. You know, I would, I would listen to people's problems, this, that. I mean, Billy Joel became a friend, all kinds of things. So I was more than just the doorman. I, I looked at it as almost street theater. The curtain okay. came down. I'd come out and I'd go, bam, you know, the show is begin. Once I'm on duty now, you know, I wasn't your typical doorman. You know, I would talk to people and schmooze. And I was up and down the street sometimes. They would say, well, where's the doorman? They said, there he is. Uh, 
at Mickey Mantle's or at the Plaza. You see that guy down there? That, that's your doorman. <laughs> no. <Right>. Uh, <laughs> I was, you know, pretty colorful out there. But I think I learned a lot about yeah. people. And, and I think life experience with acting and things like that, you, you do maybe consciously or maybe subconsciously, you know, when you've lived, it, it, it adds up because there's some people that start late in life. There are guys that started yeah. at 30 years old and became the terrific actors. But, you know, I, I would, I would not discount that and not say, Hey, just because I wasn't, you know, classically trained that I didn't, that, that kind of training. Um, I mean, I did learn a lot on the job, but I think that that stuff helped me in life because yeah. I wasn't just one of these, you know, Joe actor guys. I was in the real world, you know, yeah. I was That's in, I educated myself with people, right? And, you know, and that is a big part of acting behavior, people, you know, uh, and, and, and I learned a lot. I grew up, I grew up on that, on that job. Yeah. Yeah. School, uh, my dad would say school of hard knocks. That's the best way to learn. So you mentioned, so you mentioned, uh, you know, your, your cousin who was in the Sopranos, right? Which is like, of course, a natural, Hurry. right? And yeah. then an, an excellent work of that. Uh, great. And then Qu- right. of your brother, John, uh, who you said was helpful to you. And I'm a big fan because I think he really can change style so much. Right. And what, but I, I'm a big fan of the movie quiz show, which oh. never gets old, right? Because uh, and wow. he was so as Herbert Stemple, right? Based on Robert Redford directed, based on the actual game show industry, right? That changed right. and and the fixing of such or whatever. Uh, I don't know. You you admire him as a brother, and sure, I'm sure as an actor, what you observe. But did you ever talk about that, or do you, when you watch that, when you watch him in that role, does anything stick out to you? Yeah, uh, uh, you know that that was a wow. That was. I mean, there's been several roles where, you know, when he's knocked it out of the park and. Uh, just being around him or talking to him. I mean, you know, uh, a lot of times he was, you know, been hard on me as a brother, but I think always cause he, he always thought like, you know, you got, you got a lot of potential, a lot more potential than you think. So he was always somebody that I, you know, admired even as a little kid. And he was just a, like a, a natural born leader. I know when he was in high school, he went to see this show Pippin and I think he got the bug. He freaked out. He saw this Broadway show, uh, <laughs> Ben Vereen, and then my cousin uh, went to St. Francis Prep. He was a high school football star, Ralph Totoro. And uh, John put on a, a Broadway uh, version of Pippin at his high school at St. Francis. And I don't know how he knew. Uh, he directed it. He put it together. Not that he was a musical guy. I actually sang in a, a, a part of the show. But what I'm saying is oh. he, was a, like, uh, he had like a, a vision, my brother. And then when he went to college, you know, we saw him do one flew over the cuckoo's nest. His first play, and he was just powerful, amazing. Yeah. Uh, he really has a mind. He has an imagination, right? Uh, and I mean, he's an intense, intense guy. I mean, even at times, he does. He he can intimidate me a little bit because I'm like, <laughs> you know, this guy is. This guy is. He he really he's really committed, and you know that's what you see in Herbert Stemple. I mean, I mean that's a really really good movie, but he is. Thank he's my brother. He right, right. He really but, steals the movie. I mean, I know he was nominated for a Globe. He should have been nominated for an Academy Award. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, it, re- it reminded me, Nick, of, of you know how you're talking about growing. You know, you on the streets as a doorman when he's like walking the streets and they're, hey, Herbie. You know, you're one of you know he was one of us. You know, you yeah, you made good. You know, the whole. Yeah. I know you're from Brooklyn. That was so for anybody who's really shared that. It was so real. And you're right. He he's he. Uh, he soaked that up. I don't know. Is he much of a sports fan? Do you guys talk sports or no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We talk sports. Yeah. You know, we yeah. talk sports. Uh, we talk sports a lot. I mean, he's a big, big bo- boxing guy. Okay. 
boxing scrapbooks, you know, guys going back the way Joe Lewis and Max Schmeling. And uh, he would talk about, you know, Rocky Marciano, Tony Zell. We used to watch these movies in my house because my dad loved boxing. Uh, uh, Jim Jacobs would make these eight millimeter. We had a projector and we would watch the, the old fight movies uh, on the projector, these eight millimeter f- movies. And he made scrapbooks. And then he was a huge uh, Nick fan. Uh, with Willis Reed and Dave DeBusher. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Walt Frazier. And, we, and I became a big, big basketball fan first, like in 1970, even though I was only about eight or nine years old. Uh, so Nick, uh, John was a – and he, John, played basketball. He was a good basketball player. Uh, not great, but he was good. Right. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he was a big, big uh, basketball ba- uh, boxing guy. Not baseball so much. He knew a little – I discovered baseball on my own because my dad liked boxing, but I discovered it, fell in love with it. And then I brought baseball into the house. And then, you know, over the years I became, you know, not an expert, but a real connoisseur of the game. And And your kids are right. Your kids are baseball, right? I see the influence. Yeah. They're, they're baseball guys too. They have no choice. You know, (laughs) you know, they, they don't, they're not as passionate as me, but you know, I'm really invested. I'm so invested that when I'm watching a game, I feel like I'm in the dugout. I feel like I'm I'm part of the team. Yeah, you well, are they players? You know, like Nick Swish, your former. Yet yeah, we've had some on. They all talk to you like you you are part of the team. Who's your? All right, so give me your top three all-time favorite Yankees. Okay, give me your 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 best three. Now they don't have to be the best by record or whatever, but yeah. that you liked were your top three. I would say my top three. You know, it would go back to when I became a fan. You know, Thurman Munson is probably number one. Um, I, I loved uh, I loved Bobby Mercer. Number two, um, I also love, you know, uh, there's a lot of other guys that, you know, come to mind. Um, but, you know, in the maybe I'll pick a guy from like the 90s because uh, the 70s guys, I love all those guys, Roy White, Lou Pinella. Yeah, yeah the, and the team, Don, and, and, and they weren't, you know, the, the team wasn't great then, right, with Roy White. And, oh, uh, I mean, they look. weren't. I mean, I love Greg Nettles when they first got Greg Nettles in, in oh, 73, yeah. you know, and then in 74, they added Chris Chambliss, who I love. You know, they, they added all these, like, little guys. And then Mickey Rivers came along in 76. I, I remember all the trades. I, remember, I mean, the Mickey Rivers trade. Actually, one of my favorite Yankees was there for one year. And for some reason, I love Bobby Mercer. But there was a big trade. And if you remember, they traded Bobby Mercer for Bobby Bonds. And uh, and I kind yes. of I fell in love with Bobby Bonds, even though Bobby Bonds was, like, never a winning-type player. And he went to a bunch of teams with – Number 25, he looks so good in the uniform. Yeah, yeah, there's a look to it. There's a, How about, so I'll throw out a name, and you just give me a reaction as Yankees, because these are, Reggie Jackson. Uh, I, I loved him for what he did. Uh, in, in, you know, became a big part of the Yankees. Not a true Yankee. Okay. I still look at him as an Oakland A, but a hired gun, and he helped us get over the top. I think without Reggie, uh, we, we couldn't have won those uh, – he was the guy, the, the missing guy. Like in 76, we had a great team and got blasted by the, you know, the, the big red machine. So Reggie was a, was a missing, missing uh, part that we needed. But he beat and up I, the Dodgers. I remember that I was, as a Dodger fan, right? I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he took it to the Dodgers. I was at the game where he hit three homers. Oh, really? The, well, okay, Bob. Well, yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, I, was okay. game, I was at the game where he stuck his ass out. Oh yeah, with Bill Russell, that got you got away with one on that. He should have been, you yeah, know. We did. I mean, we got away. I mean, I had a whole. I sat down because I had a podcast going for a while, and I, I suspended it. But uh, I had this podcast, Breaking Bread, and 
I sat down with Rick uh, Ron Say, and he's still kind of bitter about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's still very bitter, and and then he had a big <laughs> argument with me. Not an argument. He was trying to tell me it was a night game, and I'm like, I, I know you played in the game, but I was at the game. It was a late day game. Because he goes, well, the game ended at one o'clock in the morning. I said, no, it didn't, Ron. He goes, well, the you're sun, wrong. The, you know, the sun set at like three thirty, right, that day yes, because of the. Yeah. And then there was yeah. a rain delay too. You know, That's right. It know, pushed it. it. To Reggie's credit. I mean, you know, he cheated a little bit, but he got away with it. But, you know, Russell is kind of, you know, to blame, too, because he dropped the ball. And we don't know if that was intentional or not. That's a good point. Fair point. And, and yeah. So if you look at it, Reggie's frozen there. What do you want him to do? It was a line drive. What would anybody, anybody smart is going to be like, hey, frigate, I'm not getting, <laughs> I'm not getting out of the way, dude. And, you yeah. know, only Reggie would have the, the, a winner like that. You know, that, you know, he didn't do something stupid. He just flicked his butt a little bit, and he got away with it. And he got away, and it did. It, it, it changed the, the game. All right, how about, uh, how about Don Mattingly, uh, right? I, I love about... Donnie. And, and, you know, for the 90s, Donnie's my uh, – for the 80s, Donnie's my favorite Yankee. You know, even though Donnie never won, and, uh, you know, even in that series in 95, man, he was on fire. And uh, I love Donnie Mattingly. I love Paul O'Neill. Uh, yeah. I love Bernie Williams. Like – you know, I like Jeter, but I would say for those 90s guys, I'll take like Paul O'Neill. I'll take like Bernie. There's certain guys like that that I like. They're just gritty guys that I am. And, and Mattingly is one of those guys, too, that I loved in, uh, in yep. the 80s because there wasn't a lot to cheer about in the 80s. Yeah, that's probably why I should have asked you. Give me, yeah, give me a guy from each decade from 70s, yeah. 80s, well, 90s. because that's like a- 70s. You have to say like, you know, Munson and Mercer. And then you say like 80s, Mattingly, and then the 90s. I'll take Paul O'Neill because I think when they made that trade, uh, the Yankees, it, 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 little by little, for whatever reason, sometimes some trades can turn a team around. And that was the beginning. Paul O'Neill was like, he doesn't get the credit. You know, they had a great, great team. It all came together. You know, right. then Corey and then Jeter. And, but really, when you look at the Yankees, when they made the trade for O'Neill, it was a great trade with Berto Kelly. Yeah. And they stole yeah. They stole him. They really. Yeah. I, I love great trades where you go, "Wow, look at that trade!" Look, right, look. and then they, yeah, and then they play out, you know, way in favor of your team. The Yankees did a lot of that. Let me just ask you about two other quick ones: Alex Rodriguez and Roger Clemens. Go take them. Go go. A Rod first. Yeah, you know, I actually, actually, um, I like A Rod. I like A Rod, even though he's incredibly flawed, um, you know, uh, in a lot of ways and a lot of places i mean uh that was that was politely put but i yeah, got you yeah, yeah i just you know what he's for you being for you being polite nick i mean you really showed great great first right there <laughs> well, you know what it is partly too i yeah. i always felt like like a rod was hiding behind a lot of things and I, I felt like you know maybe he was for all his talent i felt like well he might be insecure on in certain levels you know and it took him a while to be ingratiated into the yankee lore because he wasn't really a Yankee, and it was Jeter's team. And I think him and Derek, they had a falling out, and it was a bad falling out. I don't know the, the particulars, but, you know, Derek never really let him in. I think he kept him on the side. And, uh, and A-Rod had, you know, all this talent. You know, really, you know, it, it's kind of stupid that he, he did whatever he did, because, like, when you have that kind of talent, you know, but everybody makes mistakes, and he's not the only guy. Um, and he's been nice to me. So I look at it as if a guy is nice to me, you know what I mean, Chris? Like if the guy was good to me, 
there might be a lot of people that people hate this guy. I don't like him. They're like, oh, what? you want me to hate him? You want me to dislike him? Why? He was nice to me. He was a gentleman to me. I mean, he signed a ball to me when he was a, a, a mariner on the field, like uh, when he was just Alex Rodriguez, and he wrote number three. <laughs> a great talent. And, um, you okay. know, I mean, he's, you know, revived his career, and he helped us win in 09. Yeah, so that's right. He did help. I mean, you know, uh, and we haven't won a freaking championship in 11 years. So, uh, you know, A-Rod, uh, <laughs> whether you like him or dislike him, he was exciting to watch. And, um, you know, I, I don't uh, – I, I like how about, uh, how about Clemens, uh, Roger Clemens? You know, Clemens is another one. You know, uh, he was another guy that really liked me and he was really nice to me. We did a lot of things. But, you know, he's yeah, – a lot of people think he's a blowhard and they think he's a bully. And uh, I think he is a little bit of that. And I think, uh, you know, I didn't like what he did to Piazza. I never thought that was really nice because he, he couldn't get him out. And, and uh, who knows what he was on that night to throw the bat at him like that. Um, but, you know, Roger was a, was a competitor, the ultimate, uh, you know, a man dog or whatever you want to call him. And, uh, but I look at him as a, uh, as a Red Sox. I never looked at him as a true Yankee. Uh, and the same thing with even A-Rod. He's not a true Yankee. A-Rod is really a mariner. So, um, you know, um, he helped us. Roger, he pitched some big games for us. I, I was at the seventh game against the Diamondbacks and him and Schilling going at it. I mean, I was at yeah. some incredible games in my life. I've seen, like, you know, when you want to ask me, like, the top five uh, a, uh, playoff yeah. games. Or, I mean, I can give you – I was there for Chambliss in 76. I was at the Red wow. in 77. I was at the uh, Aaron Boone game. I was at some classic, classic games. I was at the Diamondback game seven, even though we lost. Uh, I've, been, I've been at some doozies. I was at Fenway when Pedro, and they went at it that day. That was a wild game. Um, so yeah. I've been in the stands. I've been yeah. in the trenches at a lot, a lot of great games. Which relates to your original thought about fans and, and what's missing through what baseball is going through. But now that you live in California, you're, are you a little bit of a Dodger fan? I mean, because I, I know Dodger fans that grew up – well, the Yankees, there's Yankee lovers and then there's Yankee haters. You know, anytime a franchise is successful, you have that. So who, if it's not the Yankees, is, is the, who's you know, I hate the Red Sox? What, where, do you, where do you go then if it's not the Yankees? Uh, I don't like the Dodgers. I, I don't care that they're from Brooklyn. I could give a hoot about the Dodgers. I can't, <laughs> I can't stand the Angels. I do like the Dodger history and logo because they're a Brooklyn team. I don't like the Giants, even though they were from New York. I, I don't like the Mets either. Uh, the one team I have affection for, which is really funny, is the A's, the Oakland A's. I kind of like them because uh, I, I grew up watching yeah. them in the early 70s, and I, I'm obsessed oh. with their, uh, their colors. Yeah. Yeah, remember that 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 seventies team. Not to interrupt, but but Dick Williams, right? Remember the thing he wow. pulled on Johnny Bench in the World Series. They had Gene Tennis, who had right mm-hmm. Joe Rudy. They they had some cool players uh, oh, back along man, with Reggie. Cool. I mean, um, Sal Bando, Gene Tennis. Yeah. Joe, I mean, could you could you put out a cooler team than the Oakland A's? The Oakland A's are the coolest baseball team. In, as much as I love the Yankees in the seventies, the Oakland A's are the coolest bunch. <laughs> they look like yeah. the I mean, they like, you know, with the, the porno mustache, whatever you want to call them. I mean, they, they were, 
Yeah, they fought with each other. They, and the oh. pitching staff, remember they had like Vita Blue and, and Ken Holzman and Blue Moon Odom, one of the cool names, right? Of uh, Yeah, that was some – and Raleigh Fingers with the mustache. Oh I, you're God. right. That They captured my imagination too, even though I was not – yeah, it was it was a special thing. I, I got to ask you two things before we, we wrap, and we, you, you should do a podcast because this is fun. Uh, because my father as a teenager served in the, in the Navy – uh, during the Normandy invasion on D-Day and, and talked about it his entire life till he passed away. And I, I had read, and I want to know, I know your dad was into some acting, acting and you said boxing, but did he also, he was in the Navy, did he actually fight? Was he involved in, in D-Day? Yes, he was. He was, uh, he was at Normandy. Uh, he, was in, he was on a destroyer. Half the ship got blown up. It was, I guess it was the, the part that he should have been on. He probably should have died, but then he was on another part of the ship and story as it goes legend has it you know he was pinned against the wall with these lockers and then he became like samson and he got the lockers off of him or whatever because my dad was like a strong guy like a, he was a really really tough guy my brother john in a lot of ways is a lot like my dad they had this like ferociousness and uh my dad was you know a sweet guy but a hard guy to to work for in construction and stuff uh, but yeah he was in normandy and he was in the war and he was very patriotic and uh he loved history, you know, and uh, he was, uh, he loved math. You know, if you could do math, he liked you. Really? Oh, you know, that's funny, yeah. Like, yeah. You know, it's funny, like, if you could do math, he was like, I had a friend, this guy, Anthony Ingrassi, and he was like, he knows math, Nicholas, you know, bring him around. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he liked arithmetic, as you would say, you know. But, right. but he, but he would, when he did math, it was hilarious, Chris. Like, he would talk about it, like, out loud, you know, like, you know, two times three is six, you know. <laughs> Times and he repeat himself six and carry the carry the seven carry the seven carry the seven divide by no you had to hear it you'd pee in your pants divided (laughs) by divide Nicholas when I say divided by nine nine times and I said what that say it again and 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 if you you know he would repeat himself to the point where and I think we get that repetition and it and it plays out in our acting because you see guys like Robert De Niro do that. We have this, right. I, I'm the same way. I have this OCD, whatever. Now I'm like ADD. So now I like, I, I got to go on Adderall or something because I'm like, I can't, I'll be talking to somebody and I was doing this really good podcast, but at times I need somebody to just tell me, you know, I did one with John and my brother was like, you know, you're all over the place. Stay on point, Stay on point Nicholas. And I was like, yeah. hey, John, it's my show. You know, that's, and, and, <laughs> but and that's what I'm trying to do here with that. But I thought, but no, that's a good uh, that the greatest generation referred to and my father to say that I think what they went through as young men through those moments. And, uh, I'm, not, and I'm not. This is what history. Did. They they their lives were shaped. And you're right. They were sweet guys, but they were tough guys. And yes. that's how they that's how they lived. And I want to end it with asking. I don't know. Just as a fan, Tom Selleck, since you you know you worked with him on as the police commissioner, Frank Reagan, with, with Blue Bloods and Mr. Baseball, and he's a sports guy. Uh, I'm sure yeah. people listening would want to know, uh, give, us, give us Nick Turo's view of the real Tom Selleck. Love him. Love him. A great guy. Uh, you know, lived up to the hype when I first saw him, kind of larger than life. And uh, we didn't get to do too many scenes, but we had like two or three nice scenes, me and, me and Tom. And uh, he liked me, and I, and I liked him. And, you know, it's like, it's so funny when you get into acting and then you work with like legends. Like, you know, when I worked with Burt Reynolds, it was a big deal. Like this is Burt yeah. Reynolds. And the same thing with Selleck. I was like, Holy macros. I'm like, look at that must. I couldn't get past the mustache. Like, <laughs> I'm looking at the man and he's big and he was a big baseball. I thought he was from Detroit, but he's from LA, but he was a tiger fan. 
So on one day, I put a beautiful jersey in his uh, dressing room, and I think he still has it. He really appreciated it. I gave him an Al K-Line jersey. And, oh, that's cool. Uh, and he loved that. And we, uh, yeah. we reminisced about baseball. We talked about Sinatra because Frank did an episode or a couple episodes of uh, Magnum P.I. And, I mean, you really look at him, man. What a stud of a guy. I mean, you know, big guy, you know, handsome dude. And then, you know, years later, he's playing Frank Reagan. But I'm like, wow, man, this guy is like – he's kind of big in stature too. So thank God when we did the scenes, we sit down because I'm a little guy and it's hard for me to act with guys that are giants. So if we're sitting down, it's much easier, you know. Yeah. And, uh, That's funny. But, yeah, but, but from Magnum P.I. to – yeah, yeah, to that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. And and, still- uh, oh, class. And a very, very smart, very um, – you know, uh, he has his own style of acting. and, and um, But I found him very uh, very engaging, very likable. And, you know, big, 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 big presence. You know, you kind yeah, of yeah. – when you first see him, I'd say you, you just kind of stare at him. And, you know, and then you stare right. at the mustache – and then you get right. past the mustache, you know. Okay. Then, yeah, that's great. And then you, and by the way, you mentioned Sinatra, so you're a, I'm a Sinatra fan. Uh, give me, huge. what's your one? Yeah, I know there's a bunch, but give me your one, your top, number one, you had to say, uh, this is the one I want to listen to, which Sinatra song is it? Because uh, I got my, mine is, mine is, I'll just tell you mine while you're filing through your mind about which one to pick. I love one for my baby and one for the road, right? That's, to me, that's, that, that says Sinatra, an old saloon song that doesn't, not a lot of people can imitate. Right, what's yours? Yeah. Um, all or nothing at all is great. Oh, okay. All right. I mean, uh, you know, uh, there's so many great Sinatra. I mean, I sang My Way as a kid, so My Way is, a, is kind of a favorite of mine. Right. Uh, because I, that, that was my signature song. Everybody was like, you're going to learn another song? And I was like, <laughs> um, I'm good at my way. You know, let me, let me stick to it. <laughs> but, you know, I, I did so many songs that it's incredible. I was watching a Netflix thing on him and, you know, what a, what a, interesting dude man and yeah dark. fascinating life right oh, I mean, oh my god and, and a very very dark guy but a very yeah the romance the romance side of his life a lot of ups and downs for oh, you know you feel oh, for a guy oh, like that well you know you know you gotta i don't know if you read his book and his mother was a whoa she was the the force behind him and i think the mother was a bit of a dark person too and i think that's why you can't do a movie on sinatra because really there's no one to play frank nobody could play him he had a persona, and I'm saying, like, you're in a no-win. That's why you can't really do – unless somebody – Did you see yeah, – did you see, not to interrupt, that, that Ray Liotta – I think it was an HBO movie with uh, a Rat Pack or something to that effect where he played – it was – he played yeah, Sinatra. I, I, there were, I, 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 don't, I don't think you can capture Frank, Chris. I don't – I mean, it's not like maybe Dean like, – like Dean Martin maybe because he wasn't as iconic as Frank. But Frank, right. he remember – this is what I mean why it's so dark. I mean, he, he was a dark dude. And like you just said, his romantic yeah. life, his personal life. I mean, the guy did everything. Politics. He did. He dealt with the mob. He dealt with this. He directed. He did movies. I mean, he had a really interesting freaking life and an interesting. He's somebody I would have liked to have really met. Oh, yeah. That's the guy you want to. Right. Every uh, guy wanted to hang uh, with I mean, him. Right. Even I, if you I, argued I, with him. I mean, I went to see him in the, in the 80s. Me and my friends rented a stretch limo. We went to see him at Radio City. And I'm mean, I glad I got to see him come out because I was, you know, as a boy, mesmerized. I mean, my brother's pretty obsessed with him, too. There's a funny book about a guy that worked for him. That might be a funny movie. It's called Mr. S. He okay. was like a butler and a valet, and he has all these wild, cheesy stories, but actually a very 
somebody, you know, optioned the book, but it hasn't been made. Mr. S, maybe you could do a movie like that where you could, you know, from somebody's perspective, but maybe not see Frank, but more or less, he's more of like a mythical character in the movie. Yeah, um, yeah. That's kind of how he, that's kind of how I think of him still as a mythical, even though he was a real guy, uh, some of the stuff that he did. It's, uh, I tell you, it's, I tell you, he, 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 he's, he's, he's kind of a scary dude. He's kind well, of well, his temper, according to what we read and observed, and people, Tom Teresa, the comedian, tells some great funny stories, but also some, yeah. And I don't know how Don Rickles got away with what he got away with well, because, with Sinatra because he lo- because he loved he loved Don Rickles. Yeah, and, thing, yeah, and right. here's the thing with Frank. I mean, I mean, those guys, man. But if Frank loved you, you know, and Frank did, you were good. Him. Yeah, you were you were good. Like I would have loved to have been in Frank's gang. You know, right. I would have loved to have been like. You know, man, like I would have loved to seen Vegas when Vegas was that was that when it was yeah. like, controlled by the mafia or whatever or the Rat Pack. I mean, we but, will uh, save that for now. But things will be good again. We 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 hope, and I hope. Uh, good luck to your Yankees. I hope to see you and other fans uh, back yeah. at a ballpark soon. You and, will. Uh, we could. You will. We, all right, good. And we'll go. I, we got to do this again because this, I, there was other things I wanted. To, I, we could go on and on, but oh, I, I, mean, I, I know you, you got you got to make your sauce. You right? You got to do your. Oh, sauce. I, mean, I got to make the sauce for you one day because you know everybody. It's legendary. I mean. I went to this Italian dinner last night in Long Beach and, you know, they were, you know, they were going to try to attempt to make my sauce, but they didn't have the time. And then, you know, but they, until you've tasted Nikki red sauce, uh, you know, I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's life changing. It's life changing. You know? All right. Well, we'll, 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 uh, I want to taste it and we'll bottle it. All right, Nick, you best to the family. Uh, say hey. hi to your brother, John, for me. And, hey, uh, we'll, I will. We'll, and it was a pleasure. I've, I've always enjoyed you, uh, by the way, I've always thought you were a classy guy and I, you know, I, I've seen you on, you know, classic sports, and uh, I've always enjoyed, you know, always up close. Uh, I like that you're full of passion. Uh, you take care of yourself, and right, we'll uh, we'll talk again soon. Yes, it was very, very right. good. You too, buddy. All, All right. right, Nick Taturo, we appreciate him being with us here on CMI, the Chris Myers interview on Podcast One. You got it. Thanks for listening to CMI, the Chris Myers interview. Make sure to subscribe, rate, review, and spread the word. Get new episodes every Wednesday on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify.